know, we, all, we always start because we have got an international audience. We always like to start from where, where you were sort of born and raised. Well, I mean, I'm born and raised straight out of Jersey, man. Illtown, he starts New Jersey. Okay. You know, that's where I was born and raised. And, well, to be exact, I was actually born in Newark, New Jersey, but I represent and I grew up, you know, in Illtown, East Orange, New Jersey, which is, you know, the neighbor of Newark. So, you know, I moved into East Orange as a very young kid, like maybe like two, two or three years old. So, you know, I represent East Orange, New Jersey. <laughs> you know, we, 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 cause we, uh, we'll get to Naughty by Nature later, later, but we've always heard you say, we always hear the ill town and we actually, I, I didn't actually think it was a place. I thought it was more like a like Wu Tang Ill Town is like your little collection. Nah, but actually, nah. so it's, it's okay. Okay. It's actually a place. Yep. That's that's Ill Town. That's East Orange. Ill, East Orange is AKA also known as Ill Town. Wow. My goodness. Yep. On our show, we've interviewed a lot of people. Um, Blackstreet Chauncey and Eric Williams from New Jersey, Nitty Green from uh, from Riff, New Jersey. Um, to today, um, it, it, it's it, it's it surprises it surprises how many people have come out of New Jersey from the from the R&B side. Um, growing up, who was your inspiration musically? Um, you got to throw it back to you know the old school soul artists. I mean, just from Sam Cooke to Otis Redding to Marvin Gaye. Obviously, Jackson 5 to, you know, Betty Wright to um, all of them. Um, Shaka Khan, Anita Baker, like any and everything, all soul. I mean, growing up, my, um, my parents played it, especially, you know, my father, you know, played a lot, a lot of old school soul music. And I just grew up on that. You know, me and my, my, whole, my whole family, actually, we just all grew up listening to that, you know, that kind of music. So as a kid, did you have an idea of what you wanted to do? I mean, you've got the music influence at the back, but what, what were you thinking about career-wise? Nah. And yeah, no, nah, as, as a kid, I, I had no idea, you know, just trying to figure it out. I just, like I said, I was introduced to music from my father and just, you, you know, just as a kid, you, you, you have no choice when you're riding in cars or you're around, you know, you listen to what they're playing, yeah. you know, the same as now, you know, well, it's actually changed now, you know, my kids or whatever, the kids nowadays, they get in and they just automatically just plug up their, their, yeah. their phone <laughs> or, or Bluetooth, their phone, and then you listening to what they want to hear. But, you know, back in the days, it was, you didn't, you had to, you didn't have those capabilities. So it was an eight track <laughs> or, or yeah. radio the radio station and you listen to whatever you know your parents wanted to play so yeah, that that was it you know listening to what they wanted to play and that's what they wanted to play you know that 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 dope dope soul music yeah i mean and and i think we can get an understanding of the influence on the your, the production has uh, from from the soul that you were listening to but what about when you were in school high school and stuff i, I guess your friends and weren't listening to or maybe they were listening to the same, or, or was, or were they listening to hip hop? Well, I mean, some of them wasn't, some of them wasn't. You know, um, when I came in, uh, my man, um, Hot Money, like Hakeem Green from Channel Live, mm -hmm. he actually told me, and I forgot about it anyway. I mean, 
And he actually told me, he said that I was the one that introduced him to um, BDP, to Boogie Down Productions. And he wow. went on and ended up making, you know, um, Spark Madism with KRS-One. But wow. he was like, hey, I don't even know if you even remember, you know, I came into um into the um class one day and you were sitting there with the first Boogie Down Productions album. And I was looking at you like, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, man, like I got an older brother. So my older brother and them was, you know, into the culture, into the hip hop culture, dressing b-boy and doing all of that stuff. So I used to yeah. be looking at them like that. They kind of late, they kind of look cool. Okay. You know. So um, once I saw the movie Wild Style, I kind of got a grasp, more of a grasp on, okay, hip hop and the culture of hip hop. And then I said, oh, dang, that's dope. That's what I want to be. You know, I want to be a DJ. Wow. So that's when I started getting into, yeah, I started getting into more of that and started trying to be a DJ and started like really embedding myself into the culture. But before that, you know, I was already listening to, you know, the radio, you know, listening to hip hop and basically just, you know, just figuring it out and just, just loving the culture of it, you know, trying to be a graffiti artist at the time, you know, trying to be, yeah, trying to, I mean, there was a time I I thought I could rhyme, there was a time I thought I could I thought I could break dance, you know, and I think that's everybody, you know, coming up at that time, yeah. you know, everybody thought that they, you know, that, that grew up and just was embedded in the culture, kind of figured that how, like trying to figure out how they can fit within the culture, because that's what it was at the time. Because the, interesting, you said you, you, you thought about being a DJ as opposed to the front person. Why specifically the DJ instead of being the, the front um, I mean, I, I already love music. I already knew okay. that, you know, taking, you know, these rides and just listening to music, I already knew I had a love for music. I always, I felt that I had a, you know, kind of a connection and an insight to, to the music already from listening to it so much. Okay. So when I saw that, it just mesmerized me. I was just like, wow, he's cutting it up. He's DJing, you know, and, this and that. And I was just like, okay, that's what they're doing. That's how they do it. That's that. That's dope to me. Let me let me try. Let me get into that. Who who were your early influences as from a, the DJ point? Then from well, it's one specific I'm talking about from the movie Wild Style was Grandmaster Flash. Oh, okay, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a scene in in, in Wild Style when he's in, I think he's in the kitchen. Yeah, he's in the kitchen and he has a turntable set up and he's DJing and all. And I saw that scene. And I just was like, wow, that's dope. That's what I want to do. You know, and obviously there was other there was other musical like influences around our way. You know, there was this group called Super Six Lovers around the way. There was a local group. There was another group that was out of Jersey City called Sweet Slick and Sly. I used to listen to WHBI radio. I used to listen to Mr. Magic. I used to listen to Special K and Teddy Ted from the Awesome Two. Um, Latin Rascals. It was a lot of different things that I listened yeah. to, you know. And radio stations like pirate radio and a bunch of different stuff going on at the time. And they used to always just play these hip this hip hop stuff. And it and, and it's now classics that you try to find, but they just play these battles and all these different things of this stuff that wasn't on wax, but it was only caught live in the, in a club. And they used to play that, and you'll be lucky to catch it on, you know, on your tape deck. So I was one of the ones up late at night trying to catch it on my <laughs> tape deck. <laughs> It, so New York was heavily influenced the the the, the, the origin of, of hip hop. How how was it in Jersey? Did you was the scene as big or was it pretty much just piggybacking off what's happening in New York? 
Mm, no, it was just as big. You know, I, <laughs> we always laugh and joke about it is that New York, New York basically feels like they're, they're, they're the creators of hip hop and everybody is piggybacking off of them. So, you know, with us being right next to them, they definitely looked at us as a stepchild too as well. So they thought like, hey, actually I had, my family's really, you know, from New York, to be honest, the Jamaica, Queens. Okay. And yeah, yep. And um, my cousin actually um, told, asked my brother one time, my older brother, and I have an older cousin that lived that was um, in Queens, and he was like, "Yo, y'all get um, y'all get Kiss and BLS out there, and that's the two main stations in um New York." Yeah. And we like, "What you mean? Of course we do! Like, dude, we only <laughs> live like 20, 30 minutes from here. Like, why wouldn't we get it?" So that just shows you, you know, just like. You know, I mean, I don't think that's more of an attitude. I think it's more or less like, you know, especially at a certain time, you know, when you don't go out of state and you don't yeah. go out of, play, out of your own area, you just don't really know too much about other places. And that's how it was even with, you know, with me personally, before I got to, to tour and to travel the world or even go to other states to do tours, I had no idea what was going on in other states. Yeah. So that's kind of, the, I guess, the idea of the New York versus New Jersey thing, but you know, from a, a culture standpoint, you know, I guess you could kind of say that we that we fed off of them, but then again, we didn't. You know, we had our own hip hop, yeah. you know, going in New Jersey. I mean, look at Sugar Hill Records. Sugar Hill Records comes, I mean, it came out of New Jersey as oh, well. Oh, I didn't so, realize that. Well, they're originally from Harlem. Okay. But, you know, they moved over to Jersey and their whole sh setup, you know, when they came out with Sugar Hill and all that, that setup was all out of Jersey. That was out of Inglewood, New Jersey. Okay. So the first, you know, when Rapper's Delight came out, that came out of Jersey. So there was, it wow. was definitely a, yeah. By this time then, so you, have you sort of put aside the sort of soul music and all, all into hip hop? How did your folks react? What to me getting into music? Well, no, yeah, the fact that you're no longer listening to Sam Cooke with them now, you're listening to uh, Grandmaster Flash and uh, Houdini. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't care because I, I didn't stop listening to soul music with them. Okay, because I mean I loved it already. So and I found it relevant as well. So yeah. I knew the two had something to do with each other. I've always knew that. So I never stopped listening to what they were listening to. Yeah. Did did you then ever think about getting doing it full time, or was it just the being a DJ was like nice stuff on the weekend? But I'm I'm, I'm gonna have to find a, a job. No, uh, I, once I once I really really got into it, I I went hard. I went hard. Wow. And I just knew I, I just focused. I had other stuff I was doing, you know, running the streets and doing whatever. But my my main focus was was hip hop and it was to be, to do music. That was the main thing, especially after, you know, me, Ven and Tretch formed Naughty by Nature. Well, started off as New Style and that was in a, I, we formed that in, when I was in the 12th grade. 12th in high grade, school. wow. Yeah, yeah we formed that in high school at my senior talent show. So once we formed that, like I knew, you know, and I was seven, I was 17 years old at that time. So I knew from 17 years old that that's what the plan was to be, was just figuring out how and just make getting better as a group and us individually making everything tight, getting it all together. But we knew that that's what we were trying to do from that point on. 
So how did that, how, so you said there was a talent show. Did you just see Trent and Vinny and say, guys, let's form a group? Or how did, how did that come about? Well, that, I mean, like I said, that formed when, when I was a senior in high school. They were juniors in high school. Okay. So in, in the high school, it's, it's East Orange High School, where we're all from, because we're all from East Orange, New Jersey, even at Tretch. So don't, there's a, the, the senior talent show, I was already DJing, and I was going to be in the senior talent show as a DJ myself. But then... I lived on 18th Street in East Orange. Vin lived on 15th Street, three blocks from me. So I always knew Vin even growing up, even before we got to high school. I didn't meet Tretch until we actually, we actually, me and Vin didn't meet Tretch until we actually got to high school. Okay. Well, yeah, but Vin um, was break, used to break dance around the way. I knew he was a break dancer. I knew him. We used to play football together, all that stuff. We went to school together, elementary, all of them. Was, those great, wow. all the grades going up. We all went, yeah, me and him, because like I said, we three blocks away from from each yeah. other. Trash lived a little bit, a, a little bit further, more blocks away. So his school, the oh, young, school when district. Get, okay, yeah, when you get to high school, everybody go to the same high school, but the elementary schools and the middle schools are different. You, okay. you it's by your area, so you go to school closest to your area where you live at. So, like I said, me and Vin being three blocks away, we went to the same elementary and middle schools together. And then, um, so with that being said, um, I knew Vin was a beatbox. He did the beatbox, and I knew he was a break dancer because he used to break dance with a guy that lived directly across the street from me, named Ski. So, as sometimes like when they would be out there practicing break dance, and they had linoleum out on the on the sidewalk. I would be up on my son porch practicing DJing. So I would basically be supplying the music for them. Okay. So I'm yeah, I'm playing the music and I'm running break beats and they're break dancing really to my music. So when it came time for me to be in the talent show, I um I asked Vin, yo, do you want to beatbox? And I'll scratch. I want to do more than just play some music. I want to do like a, a show, you know, and he was like, all right, bet. So we started rehearsing and doing, coming up with routines. And then um, we both felt like it just, it could use an MC. So I was just like, I don't, like, I don't have nobody. He said, you know what, I, just, I have this guy in my um, health class named Tiny. You know, yeah, his name here yeah, named Tiny. Who later became Tiny T, who later became Double T, and who later became Double T Treachery, and now known as Trutch. But yeah, Tiny. So Tiny was in his health class. He introduced me to um to, to Tretch. And then Tretch started coming over. We started putting together the routine for the talent show. We did the talent show. Didn't have a name. It was like I said, it was just supposed to be me, myself, DJing. So we didn't have a name. I just came out there with them. And we did it. And I scratched in. It's the new style from the Beastie Boys. And then the talent show went over so well. Everybody was like, yo, y'all were dope. Y'all stole the show. Da, 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 da. That's what, that was dope, what y'all did. So from there, we just started going under the name The New Style. And we just started doing talent shows around the way and went in a bunch of talent shows and started going into the studio from there. And they said, hey, you know, we, we went in these talent shows. Let's just start. What's the next thing? What's the next? What's the evolution to this? What's the next thing? The next thing is to go in the studio and let's just like really take it serious and start making music and try to get a deal. So we started going in the studios and developing it, and here we and here we came. <laughs> yeah. Now you, you talk about the studio, and I guess for some of us, 
I think now it's different. You can set up a laptop and, and make music. But how do you, you know, high school or, or you know, eighteen-year-olds go into a recording studio to make music? I mean, I, is, is it free? Do you know, it, or do you have to pay? No, it's not free. You got to pay. You got to okay. pay. You know, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. You know, it's just, it's about investing in your future. Yeah. So, you know, that's what we did. You know, it's not like we went in the studio every day. Yeah, yeah, Obviously, yeah. Obviously, yeah, it was once in a while. We put some stuff together, get the ideas together, and it'd be like, hey, you know, coming up in two weeks, we got a studio session for three hours. Yo, let's get as much as we can in the three hours. You wow. know, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I started off like that and we were going there, didn't really know what we were doing. Just going there, I was going there. That, that was the early days of me attempting to try to produce as yeah. well. You know, just have ideas of of what we would do at our shows and break beats that I would run and the ideas I would use at our show. And then we try to turn it around, take the same, you know, concept. And the approach of the shows from a lyrical and, and, and party aspect, and at the same time, even from the musical aspect, go in there with those records and loop those records, have the engineer help us out and say, hey, okay, loop this up, loop this part up. Let me add scratch to that. Let me do this. Let me do that. Until I really started advancing as a producer and got my own drum machine and, and, and the equipment and was able to start doing it myself. Okay. And and so those early days, you, you, you guys... Um... Doing, doing, doing your show, there's the, what, what are family and friends thinking about the plans and what you guys were doing? I mean, you know, like it's, they didn't know. They just was like, hey, this is what y'all trying to do. They supported us, but they're just like at the same time, you know, you guys, you got to work, you got to do something. Yeah, you can't just sit around here thinking that you're not gonna do nothing. You know what are you gonna do? Are you going to college? You know we try to go to college. We try to do any and any and everything to stay out of trouble and continue to, you know, pursue the dream and at least try to keep our parents off our back. You know, keep <laughs> our yeah, keep our jobs. Just do different things here and there just to keep you know our parents off our back while we worked on the music, and and most importantly, you know, try to stay out of trouble. Yeah, I, I think from for, for a lot of us who aren't in America, we we see that we see whether it's New Jack City or, or any of this, and, and we and, and, and we see that those who are focused on on the dream. But for yourself, then, um, were there any ones that you were looking at that were out and established and thought, "Wow, we could be like them," um, or we should mirror our style like them? Or what, what was it like? Did you try and separate? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, number one, Run DMC. Our whole okay. thing, you look at it, yeah, it's two MC, he's and one DJ, same thing with Run DMC. You know, so we've always looked at Run DMC as the blueprint. Okay. From day one. I mean, but we 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 study people's shows, live shows. Like we used to always we would go and see BDP perform all the time you know, was a big, big fan, and still is a big fan of, of KRS-One and BDP. Mm. Love the way that, you know, his stage presence and all that. Like, we love that. Um, Public Enemy was another one. Okay. Followed them around, looked at them, and, and it's ironic that we end up being, that was our first tour we end up doing, you know, was with Public Enemy, you know. So, you know, Big Daddy Kane, this marquee, yeah. Was was a big big influence on us, you know. With cool, especially you know, because Biz would spend a lot of time in Jersey, because Cool V's actually from Jersey. Okay. 
Yeah. So and, and on this, we actually met them and they were actually one of one of the first champions of us as new style. Cool V um, and Biz was one of the celebrity judges a couple of times that they pulled in because we were winning talent shows so much because they used to let the crowd judge. And yeah. then they started, yeah, other people started feeling like that we were bringing the crowd in and winning because we had such a following that we would just bring the whole block with us and we would bring our own crowd and just win. So they were just like, ah, we're not going to let the crowd judge no more. We're going to bring in judges. And um, Biz and Cool V was a judge on their... Um, you know, one time together and then Biz, I mean, Kuvita, you know, would DJ the parties and sometimes V would do it himself, would be one of the judges. So V saw us out there a lot. Yeah. And he was one of the first champions and will always tell people all the time, yo, y'all better watch out for this group out of Jersey called New Style. They coming. Like I see them a lot in the underground and they out there building themselves up. V was definitely so much love to Cool V, definitely. What and rest guys... in peace, obviously to Biz. Yeah, to Biz. No, definitely. Um but what were you guys doing differently? What would that, that made you stand out? I mean, you know, we, we know when you guys came out in 93 and stuff, but back in those early days, how different was your style that people were, you were getting the crowd over? Not too much different. You know, what you heard when we came out, the energy you heard on Uptown Anthem, the energy you heard on OPP, Hip Hop Ray, all that, that's what we were doing in our shows. And that's why, you know, you have the call and response on our records. That's why you have the crowd participation on elements in our uh, records, because we were doing that in our show okay. from the door. Yep. Because it's, it was, it's different than, than, than how Rum DMC and the others were. Yeah, it's different. It's different. Yeah. I mean, we're from Jersey, so we had our own interpretation of, what, of how we wanted to come with it and what we wanted to do. But, you know, the blueprint, you know, and, 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 and just the overall touch of everything was definitely built off of, you know, our forefathers, you know, the cold crushes of the world, you know, Dougie Fresh, you know, especially with them being the beatbox, you know, Dougie Fresh, Fat Boys, mm, um, all of those guys, man. Yeah, like all wow. of those guys. And like I said, Ron DMC, I mean, who couldn't have, you know, loved Ron DMC. Now, how did you guys get, because in my mind, I, I somehow I always associate you guys with Queen Latifah, but how did you guys Get, get your break. Yeah, that was later. That was later. I mean, as we built up and was doing what we were doing, there was this crew that was on already called Flavor Unit okay. out of New Jersey. Yep, out of New Jersey. So you had the 45 King, who's a, a dope and always will be, you know, a, a, you know, a classic, legendary producer. And on 45 King, that was his crew, the Flavor Unit. And um, as we were doing our thing, we would run across them here and there and they would see us as well. But, you know, we were just getting our feet wet and building up and they were, you know, they were on already, but they wasn't fully through at the time. Latifah was through and um, Lati was through, you know, at the time. And actually, yeah, and then Chill Rob G was through, you know, from the Flavor Unit and the rest of the guys were still coming up. But they had their thing already. They already had their crew already. Yeah. But at the same time, we were trying to just figure out any way that we can to kick a door in. Mm -hmm. So we threw a party ourselves and we invited the, the Flavor Unit to come over. And, and, and um, they came over and they actually saw us 
and they liked what we did and what we were doing. Like I said, they already knew about us, but they didn't, yeah. you know, fully, fully see exactly what it was that we were doing. And at the same time, they were they didn't know that we were trying to get down with another crew or whatever, because they already had their crew. So once they came over, we told them, yeah, man, if you like what we're doing, we definitely trying to, you know, be a part of a crew and trying to be a part of a family because we're trying to get our foot in the door, man. So Shaquem, who's the manager of, of the whole flavor unit, you know, he he um, told us, well, it's great timing because right now I'm actually <laughs> starting a flavor unit management. You know, and I want to you, you you guys can potentially be the first outside of the Flavor Unit crew, you know, artists or group that we take on outside of our original guys. Yeah. So we were like, okay, cool. <laughs> and we were just like, all right. And that that ended up being like the icing of the cake of us once we got into Flavor Unit and got Queen Latifah. You know, who like like I said, Queen Latifah was already on. And Shaq Kim and Queen Latifah's are partners in Flavor Unit. That's who, you know, who own Flavor Unit. Yeah. So once we got through the door with them, we got the politics behind us. And Shaq Kim and Latifah was able to, um, you know, politic us to a deal on Warner Brothers who ended up on, with a, ended up, ended us up on Tommy Boy. Oh, yeah. And being presented to the world by Queen Latifah. Yeah, I think that's because we always, you know, um, yeah, um, Queen 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 Latifah was big, and I always remember, you know, that kind of endorsement coming from her. Especially, yeah. um, that's the, that's yeah, and yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, big up Latifah, man. You know, the whole flavor unit, Apache as well. Yeah, you know, um, rest in peace to Apache. Yeah, all of the the oh, whole God, like, yeah. yeah, yeah, all of them, man. You know, the whole crew, um, Lakem Shabazz. Double J, yeah, all of those guys, man. Like they all showed us love, and they all continue to show us love. And um, they they welcomed us with um with open arms as well, you know. But we couldn't have we couldn't break the door down. We were trying to do it. We were shopping around. We were trying to figure it out. We were still called the new style. Yeah. We actually, you know, we got we got polished. We got polished once we got in with Shaquem okay. and Shaquem and Flavor Unit. Yeah, like Shaquem and Flavor Unit, Latifah, you know, the whole crew. Shout out even on um, Latifah's um, mother, Miss Owens, rest in peace. Like the whole Flavor Unit crew, um, they just, they, they polished us up and taught us, you know, the game and, uh, and showed us how we had to walk this, this, this walk, man. And, and it allowed us to get through and, and come through the right way. Did, when did you change the name? to Naughty by Nature then. Yeah, um, also true, you know what, another one, you know, it's crazy too, man, like with all these times. Shout out Chris Lighty too, rest in peace to oh, him. Oh yeah, Chris Lighty from Violator, yeah. Lighty was actually with Shaquem at the time too. And Shaquem, when, when they got, when when they started going, Shaquem was 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 um, shopping us, which was his Naughty by Nature. Oh, you sound. <laughs> Somebody tried to call. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and Chris Lighty was shopping Black Sheep at the time. Oh, yeah. yeah. So him and Shaquem were sharing office space, and they were working together. While while and they, we they were we were both they were both shopping both of us. So we were connecting at the hip, you know, even with that from day one. And um, 
Shaquem and Chris Lighty pulled up on us on 18th Street one day and they just said, hey, we're taking a lot of meetings and we're doing a lot of things with um, for you guys and we're getting interest and people are, you know, starting to talk, but nobody likes the new style, the name, the new style. We got to yeah. change that name. Yeah. And right off the back, right there, um, Tretch said, how about Naughty by Nature? What? He just, did he have it before? Or did he yeah, have he well, on the on on the new style, as the new style in our in our original demo, there's a song called Naughty by Nature. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we had a song called Naughty by Nature. Yeah. So okay. that's where it came from. And he just was like, and we were like, ah, that might be a little too long though. <laughs> yeah. 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 And we were standing outside that day and he just was turning around. There was just a bunch of us outside, standing on the side, walking in the streets, just listening to music. And he was just like, look at him. He's naughty by nature. Look at her. He's naughty by nature. Look at them. They're naughty by nature. Look at all of us. We're all naughty by nature. And it started clicking at that point. Wow. We just went, hmm. 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 And everybody went home and slept on it and came back and was like, naughty by nature it is. Wow. And then, but, and then the whole logo and the whole design, did that come later? You know, because you've got to... Be... Once we got signed to Tommy Boy. Okay. Yeah, once we got signed to Tommy Boy, that came later. And um, the story of that is, is that that happened over a dinner. It happened over a dinner. Um, Monica Lynch from Tommy Boy was talking to a guy named Mark Weinberg, who actually did the, um, the, the logo. He, um, they were sitting at dinner. She was explaining um, what we were and what the group was and the name. And while she's doing it, he took the napkin at dinner and a crayon and wrote and started drawing Naughty by Nature. Wow. And that's why to this day, if you look at why the Naughty by Nature looks scribbled and, and rigid, yeah, that's actually the, 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 the little parts of the crayon breaking off while he's drawing it on the napkin. And he still has the original napkin. He still have the original napkin to this day. My goodness, you know, when you talk about, you say something like that, you think about very creative people just like yeah. that. Wow. Yeah, you, yeah. You, you, that's why I like, like and, and now people are going to go back and look. And if you do, you'll see the Naughty by Nature is rugged and rigged. Like yeah. the, the edges of it is rugged. And that's actually, you know, the crayon pieces being broken off while he's drawing it on, on the napkin. My and that's goodness. why I look like that. And the only thing it was short was the bat. And when we saw it, the first, all we said was, is, oh, because we had our own thing we were doing. And they had a little kid with a bat. Okay. So we wanted to keep the bat, the naughty thing. Our all of naughty thing was always uh, this naughty little naughty boy that oh, had a bat. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So when we saw that logo, we was like, that's dope. Just add a bat under the bottom of it. And he and he came and did, and then he put the bat under it, and it was done. My goodness. That's amazing. The, the other thing is when you, when, when, when you started with Flavor, did they teach you about the business? Did they say, look, man, this is what happens, points and, and publishing and all that stuff? Did you yeah, know about absolutely. that? Yeah, yeah, they taught us everything. I mean, we had no no problem with them. None of the, you know, I know a lot of people, you know, the horror stories that they have with managers and lawyers and all yeah, that yeah, other yeah. stuff or whatever. You know, we had our ups and downs with the record companies here and there, but overall it was fine. But we never had no quarrels or no no issues with Flavor Unit at all. None whatsoever. Everything was clean. And to be honest, we, we signed a deal with Flavor Unit, our original deal with them from the door, and that thing expired like three years after we started, I mean, or two, maybe like one or two years after it, and wow. we were working 
from there on the handshake. We didn't even have paperwork with them. That's how good our relationship was. Now, because uh, I've probably interviewed about 50 R&B artists from the 90s and, and, and stuff, and uh, 90% of them have, have had the, the opposite experience, apart from those who were signed to Untouchables, and they said ADF was very much, you know, here's everything, so you guys know up front. What, what, what about Flavor Unit that they didn't try and take advantage of you guys, and, um, but instead wanted you to understand how the business operates? I mean, it's just, you know, just how they are, you know, the people. I mean, you know, you everybody in this business is not shady. Everybody's not, you know, crooks or whatever. So, you know, it's just, you know, we just luck. It was just luck that we came across some people that didn't try to take advantage of us. And that was really it, to be honest. You know, they more or less wanted to teach us how to do it and what wow. to do. Yeah. Wow. So that's we have to. Yeah, as I said, it's um, uh, it's good to be able to see that from that early stage and and see, you know, because everyone still celebrates Latifa and the rest of the crew, and you could see why because that that yeah, sort of thing. Exactly, exactly. So you see it, and I think to be honest, you know, even with, you know, I think the fact that Latifa's mother was she Miss Owens was involved as well. I think the company kind of took her mentality and her attitude and they followed off her morals you know which at the same time follows you know of what you see and what's represented in queen latifah you know so she was you know the mother of of it all so she oversaw everything of what we wow. were in there doing and she didn't you know she wasn't having that yeah wow if you talk about your first album the production and and the direction how how did you guys then decide you know how we're going to do production do we need outside help what, what was that like? Um, we just went at it, man. Just, just was just like, yo, listen, man, we're going to just go hard. We're going to try to do it ourselves. Once we got with Flavor Unit, we got, you know, help from Mark the 45 King, um, Louis Vega, and some um, more of less the crew. But more than uh, outside of that, really, we kept it internal, you know, because when we actually came in, most of the records were done. You know, the demo, OPP was done. That was wow. on the demo. Yeah. A lot of that stuff was done already. We um, we fine-tuned some stuff, but the stuff was done. I mean, and we actually shopped those records through a couple of record companies, including Tommy Boy, that, that either didn't hear it or turned it down. Yeah. You know, but once it came presented in the right package. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it must have, you know, it's all about presentation. It was obviously presented wrong yeah. when we did it ourselves. And once Flavor Unit presented, it was presented right. Yeah. You know, but yeah, a lot of stuff was primarily done, you know, in, internally ourselves. And we just was like, hey, it ain't broke. So why try to fix it? Yeah. The, um, was the first single the one off the... Um... Is it the Juice soundtrack or um... no? No, OPP was our first thing. Okay, okay. That's... Yeah, Up, Uptown Anthem came later. Uptown, they, okay. um, our album was out and everything, and then Uptown Anthem came. Okay. And then we tacked it. We tacked it on to our album. When we released our album. Okay. But yeah, we had put OPP out as our first single. Everything's gonna be all right. Was our second single. So when you think about OPP, I mean, were you? What was your thoughts about? So I'm talking about global, because sometimes you talked about, you know, Jersey and New York. I'm talking about global being the people in, in across Africa, across Europe, are really engaged in the song. What was it like for you? Did you did you know that it could be a hit? Or what was your thoughts when you when you guys 
did it and we're getting ready to release OPP. Nah, nah we had no idea. <laughs> we know it felt good. Yeah, we knew it felt good. We knew everybody, every time we played it around the way, everybody was just like, yo, that joint right there is so dope. That's dope. That's dope. We knew that. But we had no idea, man. We had no idea. Even when it started playing on the radio, everybody was riding through the block and they were playing it like crazy. They had this video um, show called Video Jukebox and that's when people used to order it and pay for the video. And they would just keep coming on and keep on, come on, coming on. And we were just sitting there just like, wow. You know, with our jaws dropped. Just like, wow. Like, we had no idea, man. Like, seriously. I mean, it's... It's probably one of the biggest crossovers. So when you talk about crossover, it's, it gets to the pop side. You know, you have people who, um, you know, whites enjoying it because it's it's like, well, we don't, it's like a nursery rhyme and we, we don't know what OPP really means and stuff. As I said, to come off the bat with a massive hit like that, um, was it too, or was it overwhelming or was it like, yeah, we're ready for this? Or what was it, what was it like for you guys as, you know, high school kids, friends and, definitely not overwhelming I can tell you that because <laughs> it, it's what we were working for like I said we were going hard so I mean it was shocking that it was that big out the gate but yeah. it wasn't overwhelming we were ready for it we were definitely ready we were primed for it I mean like I said we were doing talent shows so it wasn't like we never been on a stage it wasn't like we wasn't ready for the limelight and for you to thrust us or push us out there okay. and push us on the stage and, and get booed. No, it wasn't that. We already had got booed before we got on. So we knew how to get booed. We knew what to do so we wouldn't get booed again. Yeah. So once we got once that record came out and was on, it was on. At that point, there was no stopping us from that point. Wow. And um what what was what with the record being that big? If you can think back at some of the shows or the place or people you met off the back of that uh, that album record that really sort of blew your mind, like, look, I don't know, we're on the Tonight Show or, or we're, you know, or we're, yeah. we're, we're performing in Japan. What was it? What, what, we're looking back. What would you say is like the wow moment from that early days from that record? Um, the Apollo. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Because everybody, you know, wanted to go to Harlem, wanted to go uptown. Everybody, you know, Showtime at the Apollo was on yeah, TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but also even beyond that, you know, there was hip-hop shows that they would have there. Not not Showtime at the Apollo show, just okay. straight concert shows that they would have there. And if you were anybody, the cream of the crop, anybody that was hot, you had to do a show at the Apollo. Yeah. And you had to come in and rock the house. You know, and like I said, when I mentioned earlier of, of, of us going to see BDP and Public Enemy and all of them, that was at the Apollo. Wow. You know, so, yeah. So from, we went from going to see shows there, holding up our holding up the new style jacket and Chuck D saying, I see you new style. We wow. went from that. Yeah, we went from that to finally being on that stage and doing three shows in one night. Wow. And people hanging off the off the balcony and off the rafters in there, and it's going crazy. Wow! Did you touch the um, the Apollo? Um, the <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everybody. When you first go there, you do that. You know, yeah, you got to. You know, because you see that on TV. So the first thing you do when you walk up in there, you look for the log, and you're like, "Where's that thing?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, how did your family and friends react to OPP? 
number, you know, biggest album song of the year out there. What, what? I mean, they must have seen the hard work you put in. But that's, as I said, that that should have taken everyone by surprise. I mean, it's definitely overwhelming for them, you know, because at that point now, you know, you got money flowing in, you got. <laughs> You're on TV every day. And I mean, it's just like, it's just, it's, it's unheard of, you know, really, to be honest. I mean, it's a crapshoot with all of this stuff. It's like sports. I mean, how many, you know, everybody plays sport, but sports, yeah. but who's going to make it to the pros, you yeah. know? So when you do have the the few or the one of the few, it's not, it's like hitting a lottery. So basically, you know, it's, it's, it's natural for your friends and your family and people to be it, it to be overwhelming to them and at the same time, you know, to be a joy for them as well, you know, and people like, especially your immediate family members or people you went to school with or grew up with, the first, you know, they're, they're just as happy, you know, for you to say, hey, you know what, I know him, I went to school with him, that's yeah. my guy, I mean, I was yeah. in doubt, I was in, me and him used to be in school all the time, that's my point, <laughs> oh, I grew up right next door to him, Yeah, yeah you know, yeah. So, and I mean, at the end of the day, and 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 we know that, and we represent that as well. Though we represent for all of those people that cheered us on, that championed us, championed us on. You know, that's what we represent, and we represent them as well. How how did the initial big success? How did it change the three of you, you the, your relationship? Because you've gone from hustling to to get them get a deal and get your music out there to being you know, one of the biggest acts, you know, in those early, in 93, 94, and fame and people wanting pieces of you and everything. Personally, how did it just affect how you guys were with all the fame and popular over almost overnight? I mean, obviously, you know, like it changes slightly, man, because there's different ways you got to move around. You know, you can't do the exact same things you wanted to do before. You can't stand on the same corners you were standing on before. You know, you have a business you got to run. So your mind state, you know, changes. Or obviously, as the years go by, you're getting older. You start having kids. You start having families. So things differ. You know, then, then you know, you're no longer that 17-year-old kid that's in high school. You know, now you're 23 or 24 years old. With, with 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 a kid or something so stuff changes and, and and your mind state changes you know and then um you also have other people you know that's around and everybody's in this ear on that ear and everybody's in different people ear so different things are being said and different stuff and people are pulling you over here to do that and pulling yeah. you to do this and pulling you to do that so the dynamics of different things start changing and you have to really just try to fight through it or really you know ignore the noise or, or fight through the noise and really understand what it is that you're trying to do. But how did, but so how, did, did, you, did you guys recognize that as, you know, friends from, 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 from young, yeah. say, look, let's just make sure we're, 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 we're one for all and all for one, not get split by this success? You have to deal with it. You know, like I said, I mean, everybody, when there's a group, there's different personalities, there's different everything. And you go through ups and downs. You have challenges. You got, we're all guys, you know, and that's why you have it, you know, where you have groups that break up. Yeah. You know, you have issues, you know, and certain things that go on within groups. I mean, that is just, I mean, that's just how it is. Yeah. Did, how much control did you have um, on the first album with what singles were released? after OPP? I mean, we had a lot of control. You know, we would we would talk. We had, like I said, we had a pretty cool relationship with Tommy Boy. Um, we had a very good relationship, obviously, with Flavor. 
So us collectively along with Flavor Unit, kind of, especially on the first, uh, actually on all our albums, we always kind of knew how and what we wanted to do. And Tommy Boy was pretty cool with it. You know, they were pretty yeah. cool with it. They knew from the gate, they they came to us, but we kind of knew what they would come with though. But they came to us with OPP first and said, hey, we got to put this record out first. You know, but we knew that's what they wanted to do. And then um, from there on, you know, we we kind of just agreed on everything across the board, just just uh, collectively. Everybody saying, okay, so let, what do you think? Well, let's do, you guys think of this record? Yeah, we like that record. Okay, let's go with that one. What do you guys think? Yeah, yeah, we like that too. Okay. So it was basically like that. Yeah. Now, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't no big fight in a, a, lot, of, a lot of times with stuff. It, it is amazing that the what was it like working with Run DMC after idolizing them for such a long time to actually get to do some work as a producer with them? Yeah, I mean it's 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 just you know it's a it's a bucket list thing, obviously, man. That you know I can scratch off, but at the same time, man, even. You know, before that, the first time I think we ran into them and did something with them, we did something with them for the Special Olympics, I believe. And um, when we met them, they were so cool. Mm. Huh? I think it's frozen. Okay, are you there? Hello? Oh. This is good. Yeah, it's probably his. Yeah, I don't know what happened. Yeah, it just you were telling me about not, um, Run DMC, then it just it just you just froze. Oh, maybe that was, that was on my part. I don't okay. know what happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you said you so, you saw them at Special Olympics. You 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 met up with them. Yeah, yeah, and we were um, we met up with them to do the Special Olympic. It was like it was like it was like eighty thousand people too in the crowd. It was wow. crazy. So we ended up, yeah, and we was for somehow we were sharing like we. I'm not sure if we were sharing dressing rooms or if it was you know I don't know how the setup was, but I just know that they were in there with us, and we were like, <laughs> man, like dang, this is Run DMC just in here chilling with us and just talking to us. So they're just telling us this, and all of the time. While, while Run telling us, like, yo, this is how you got to do this, man. This is what I be doing, man. This, this, and that. And we just sitting there with our mouth down, whatever. <laughs> all, even all, like, most of the day, though, like, while, because we were there really all day doing the, doing the, you know, setting up for the show and doing the show. Yeah. So, Run, I mean, um, all of the time we're sitting there, me and Jay are playing um, video games. Oh, <laughs> I think it was NBA, um, I don't know if it was live, one of those NBA basketball games. Yeah, we yeah. Sitting and we're playing the basketball game and we were just sitting there playing the video game and it was just it was just it was just so cool man because you know when you think of them you think of them as as gods like bigger than yeah 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 
especially for hip hop. And yeah. then, you know, to be sitting there, you know, just playing video games, playing video games with, with, with Jay and Run and D just telling us, you know, yo, man, you know, this and this and that and talking to us like as if, you know, it's nothing. It was just, it was crazy. <laughs> it was yeah. crazy. And you know, we talked about Latifah and, and, and we get that image of Ron DMC, the three of them, um, that they were sort of down to earth, that, that, that that's the kind of image that we, we do get. We don't get that, that sense of snobbery, but it's so it's interesting to actually hear that you guys are just out, out the back and they're, and they're just down with you guys. Yeah, man. It was, it was really, 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 really cool, man. It was really cool. So like I said, and that happened... And that actually happened before I got a chance to even work with them. So, it, like I said, it was it was pretty cool. So we built up, you know, a bond with them, a relationship with them. We ended up even later um, touring with them. We ended wow. up touring with them later as well. So, pretty, pretty, pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. Man. But you know, after after the, the success of the first album, how, how do you guys get in the mind frame to start to work on the next sort of album and, and stuff? Um, it was there was a um a little bit of a um of a gap in between the first and the second album because we did so much so much touring off the first album. So the fact that we did so much touring off the first, the fact that we was touring so much off our first album, you know, it took it took us a minute. It took us a minute to um to um put together the second album. And um Tommy Boy was just on our back, like, hey, I need the record, I need the record. You guys are taking too long. You gotta take advantage of, you know, why are you hot? I mean, like, what are you doing? And we, I mean, I at least me, I was thinking, man, like. We got to milk what we got. Like, what do you mean? Like, like we on tour. Like, we 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 doing they, and, and you know, it's a record company, so they don't care about you touring. You know, the touring is just, is, is us. We making the money. They, they like I need product. I need music. You know, so yeah, they were pushing us, and then you know, we finally you know got it done. Yeah, but that's why you have you know OPP and our first album came out in '91, and then you had Hip Hop Parade come out that, on, on 1993. That that came out. That album was in '93, so that was two years later. And now, but now thinking back, especially the way that music is now, everything's so fast. Thinking back, I'm just like, dang, maybe maybe I maybe Tom. I mean, obviously Tommy Tom Tommy Boy was right. We should have took advantage of it and did a lot more while we had the Iron Hot. Like so, I mean. You know, you live and you learn. Yeah, but then after you come up with the second, then how did you then um, come up with um, Divine Mills? Because, you know, some of us, you know, who were more, because as much, because um, I'm, I'm more R&B, um, but, you know, Naughty were too big not to ignore, but it's the R&B side that really surprised me because I, we would have naturally assumed that you would have, you know, done like like Eric Sherman, and you know, get hip hop acts to follow you. But right, right. What made you just well, switch? And, yeah, yeah. I get what you're saying. I mean, and a lot of people, you know, were shocked by that because, like you said, you would expect, you know, coming from hip hop, you'd be like, okay, if you're gonna do anything, you're gonna probably introduce hip hop artists yeah. or groups. You know, um, but once again, it goes back to you know where how and what I grew up on. 
You know, I grew up on a lot of the soul music. So that was embedded in me. I knew, I knew that, you know, and I always had that in the back of my mind, in the back of my head, and almost basically in my back pocket. I just was like, I'm really a soul dude. Wow. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm really a soul dude. So, you know, that's really, you know, how I came up. You know, I, I, I got into hip hop as I got a little older, but I yeah. grew, grew up on soul music. So when it came time and an opportunity was presented to me and I came across, you know, R&B acts, I just was like, I'm going to go this route. People going to think I'm going to expect me to go this route, but I'm going to come out left field from this with this route. It's going to be a hip hop influence and, and it's going to feel like hip hop, you know, the backbone of hip hop, but it's going to be R&B. So you say when it was presented to you, because did you always have in your mind, and were you talking to people that I want to start a label, or what, what was what was it like then? No, I mean I just all I just you know when you know when you out there, everybody as, as an artist, producer or anything, you always get demos, you always okay. get artists, you always get people come up on come up to you or run up on you like, hey, you know what? I have a group or I, I sing, I have a demo. Can you check it out? So I was always getting demos, okay. always getting stuff sent to me, and I would listen to it. I would listen to it. Because wow. at the end of the day, you know, like when we like even from the early days, the main thing, like I said, we were always self-contained. And that's why when we talked about earlier about it being in-house, that's yeah. why most of it was the in-house, because, you know, I was I always took it, you know, and, and carried it on my back. Like, all right, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to focus on the production, you know, and we've always as three members always talked about then you focus on the merchandise. I'm going to focus uh -huh. on the production of the music and stretch. You also focus not only on the lyrics and making songs, but also on television and films. Yeah, we've always done that. So when it came to demos and stuff coming in, I would always listen to the stuff. And what really, really caught my eye—I mean, my my eye and ear—was the R&B stuff. Okay, okay. So yeah. just before we get to the Vimeo, so as a, the three of you decided, you know, we've got the, our group, but we'll have a, a company. Is that the ill town that we'll use as a way of venturing off other things that we would yeah. split yeah. in three ways? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was all our companies, you know. That's why at the beginning it was called Ill Town Records. And that was Ill Town Records was all three of us. That was that was that was owned by all three of us. You know, same with the merchandise owned by all three of us. And then we had a television, Ill Town Films, that was all three of us. So we had all of those different companies and we had branches of stuff that we that our original plan was to to build off and grow off. Yeah. But then you decided to, to do Divine Mill outside of Ill Town? Yeah. Well, that came later because if you if if you notice and you look back. We I, I put out Rotten Rascals that was on um, you know um, that was on Ill Town Records, but also if you notice know, Jane when I did Jane Jane's um, album first album was on Ill Town Records. Oh okay. Yeah, Jane was actually Ill Town. That was the beginning. I didn't do Devon Mill until I actually left Naughty by Nature the group. That's when I created and did um, Devon Mill. Like I said, Ill Town was a naughty by nature, you know, entity of all of us together. Okay, okay. So when okay. I left Naughty by Nature for the little bit of time that I left, I created Divine Mill, and that's where Divine Mill came into okay. play. Okay. Okay. Yep. Okay. So if we go then, that if we go forward back a little bit, then how did you come? How did who came up with found Janae? Huh? 
who discovered Janet? Who, who who out of the, if it was it one of the demos you listened to? Yeah, it was one of the demos. Yeah, it was one of okay. the demos that came into Flavian Unit. It actually came into Flavian. Like I said, and I listened to everything. It was one of the demos that came into Flavian. And it was um actually um even after the demo and I listened to it, um, they would call and say, Hey, I want to make sure I want to find out and see if, if you guys gave it the KG or whatever. They would call Flavian. Wow. And um, yeah, Miss Owens. Yep, Miss Owens and um, a young lady named um, named Lynn Scott was working at Flavor Unit, and they would talk to him all the time, and they would they would tell him, "I'm gonna make sure that Kay listens to your demo. I'm gonna make sure, and I'll follow up." And I would come in this, and and I came in there one day, and um, Miss Owens and Lynn was like, "Hey, Kay, um, the girls from one of the demos, Janae. I mean, actually, it wasn't even called Janae at the time. Their group, um, um, the demo, Gina Renee. They keep they're calling, and they want to know that you listen to their stuff." And I said, yeah, I did. And um, I said, I'm gonna listen to it again. And then um, and I'll let you know or whatever. So then the next time I came back, they told me again, okay, <laughs> they keep calling. Have you listened to it? And I said, yeah, let me. And then I just started zoning and focusing on it. And I was like, yo, these, they're, they're persistent. They, they seem, they, they, they coming across how I was when I was starting off. So let me check this out. They must be real serious. So, and as I dug deeper into it, I was like, dang, they are serious. And then I just started, I reached back out to them started bringing them, you know, they were going to Temple down in Pennsylvania. They were at Temple University oh, in okay. Pennsylvania, yeah, at the time. So I reached out to them. I started bringing them up to Jersey, and we just started working on that demo. Wow. And um, now there were two females, and you think back in the 90s, most of the female groups were three or four. Right. Did you Were you concerned about the dynamics and how it might look? Because it was only changing nope. faces afterwards. Right. Nope. I wasn't I wasn't concerned about it because I knew what I had as far as with them, especially once I met how dope they were. I knew what it is that, you know, musically what I was going to try to do and at least try to lean it towards. And then what they were what they were doing and what they were bringing to the table and what we did together. I wasn't worried about nothing. I mean, mm -hmm. a lot of people was just like, oh, you know, what about the look of the group or what about this? I was like, I, like you said, like usually it's three people or more. I was just like, I don't care. We're going to make some bangers. And we come, we kick in the door, and that's it. They were new, neo soul before neo soul was popular. Exactly. <laughs> the hair, the, the the whole look, it really just you know I was like, and and their their their, their voice, it was you know because we had a lot of the sort of similar you know TLC SWV all sounding alike, but they came really you know they totally really different. captured us yeah we came totally different we came totally different and a lot of people you know even say that to me you know and i let them say it. they like hey you know you you know they you know keto and these guys took the neo soul brand and, and and ran with it and and claimed that they're the starters of it but you know you really you and jane are the, the originators of that sound yeah I'll yeah like, yeah you know, i mean because, it is yeah. what it is you know but they 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 took the moniker and did it but Definitely, as far as the sound and the way that that approach, we definitely yeah. were. But definitely. Yeah, the, because, I mean, Hey Mr. DJ was, yet yeah, the big, massive track, but then they also had Send My Love. They had um, other tracks that would just really put you in the mood and, and stuff. Um, yeah, Blue Taste the Love, you know, All My Mind, like all kinds of records like that. They had, the, they, that was the vibe, man. They had the vibe. <laughs> I mean... Dope, dope. 
did, did they, were they also writers as well? Absolutely. They wrote everything. Wow. Yeah. They how, wrote how, everything. They wrote all of the lyrics. Both of them wrote all their lyrics. And um, you know, and 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 some of the music, a lot of it they did, they did a lot, a lot of the music as well with me. Wow. That yeah. So when you do working with them and about to put out, is Flavor Unit and 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 Vinny and, and Tretch, are they involved in anything or they just say do your thing? They just say do your thing, you know, and when it came when it comes time, you know. When it came time for me to present it, then I would go to shock him and say, hey, I got this ready to go. Where can we put it at? Who can sign it? Who can we shop it to? How can we put it out? Yeah. Yeah. And and shock him would go to work and figure out how to get it out there. Wow. And when did, with the first single, was that Hey Mr. DJ? Hey Mr. DJ. And that actually came off the Flavor Unit compilation. Oh, yeah. Were you surprised how big that also went? I mean, no, I wasn't because I knew how big it was going to be, and it, and and it wasn't actually going to even be on that compilation. It ended up being the last record on there, and that's why it's literally the last track on the soundtrack. Wow! Like the whole soundtrack is rap. The whole flavor unit crew, it was all, it was all rap, and I just was like, Sean, yo, you got to put this record on there. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> This record, man. I'm telling you, put this record on there. He's like, yeah, but it's all rap. I'm, I don't care. I'm telling you, put this record on there. Okay, okay. And he put it on there, and and that was it. You know. Wow. Didn't. Did, what was the next? So when they were blown up, what was on your mind as to who to bring out next? I just going through demos, just figuring out. I'll find something at some point. You know. I still had to focus on Naughty. I still had to focus on doing another um, um, Jane racket, you know. And once again, I mean, it's it's primarily just me. So I can't, you know, spread myself too thin. Yeah. You know, couldn't spread myself too, too thin at the time. But, you know, as we were going on, you know, just going along and I'm just listening to stuff, listening to demos until I finally came across all the stuff later. And then I started putting that together as well and developing so when you when you sort of briefly separated from 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 uh, naughty, was it to focus on the music and production? Were you finding a lot more joy in that part and, yeah. and, and reducing the yeah. touring? Yeah, that's what it was at the time. I had I had just had basically had the had my third child. It was just like it got to a point where I just was just questioning, like, yo, do I still want to be on the road? Do I really want to still keep doing this stuff? Actually, I didn't even have a third child yet. I was, I, I didn't even have it, actually. Not even, no, no, I didn't. I didn't even have the third child yet. I just, it just got to a point with me, man, where, I don't know, it just, it just felt like it was just a lot of stuff going on within the group. And I just was just like, man, I don't know if I even want to do this no more, man. I don't know. I don't know. And it was just a lot of arguing and going bickering back and forth. I just was like, ah, uh. And I just said, man, you know what? I'm just done with it. I'm done with it. I'm gonna just go focus on producing. I'm gonna go find me some groups and I'm just gonna focus on them and just try to get me a deal. Mm -hmm. And I just stopped touring with Naughty by Nature. I just, I left the group and I just started, um, I, I put together Divine Mill. 
And I started, you know, developing um, Jaheen. I started developing Next. And I started um, developing Dugans and a, and a Coffee Brown, a couple yeah. of different projects and, and trying to find me a deal. And as I developed it, uh, I got a presentation together, shocked, went to shock him again and said, hey, I got a presentation. I got a, a presentation. Where can I go with it? How should I do it? And we connected dots and we ended up going to Arista with it. So and that was the beginning of Divine Mill right there. How did you come up with the name Divine Mill? One of the rappers I had named Dugans. Um, I was I was riding, I was with him one day. And um they 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 he was in a crew called um uh ah, I forgot that now. <laughs> I mean blank. But anyway, yeah, but his crew, you know. They were like five percenters and all this different stuff or whatever. So growing up down south, my aunt used to work at this factory and they called the factory the mill. Okay. And all the time, like we would spend time down there almost every summer as my father's sister. And uh, my, uh, my aunt died and we used to be down there in um, Chester, Chester, South Carolina. And... Every time we would just be like, hey, we want to do something, whatever. Well, you got to wait for um for um Dot to come, I mean, for um Aunt Dot to come from the mill. She's at the mill. They didn't even say work, really. They was like, she's at the mill. You got to wait for her to come from the mill and this, and this, and that. And like, oh, well, I, when I come from the mill tomorrow, you guys could do this or wait, whatever, whatever. So it always stuck in my mind, the mill, the mill, the mill. And I'm just like, okay, the mill. So she worked at a factory. They called the factory the mill. So... I got my studio in the house. At the time, I had a bunch of different producers and guys working with me. And I looked at it as a factory at that point because I was just like, yo, we just pumping out beats. We pumping out music. We pumping out this. And we want to be able to pump out a bunch of music. So it's going to be a factory. It's going to be a mill. Not a factory, but we're going to call it a mill because my aunt used to work at the mill and it was a factory. <laughs> so then I asked Dugans. I said, what? I said, and in 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 your world and in your whole five percent nation or whatever you you, you guys are whatever you know what do you, and the group was called Now Justice too now I think the, I, I I remember what it was they were called Now Justice so I said and now in your Now Justice world what is pure he's like what you mean like if something's pure he was like well divine or like like what do you mean like like something that's more divine. Like when something's pure, you say it's more divine or whatever. I was like, okay, so that's it then. All right, divine. So I said, divine mill. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so you've got the name in your head. What was the was there sort of a mission for divine mill? What what were you thinking about? Would be the mission for the label? Well, I mean, I, at the at the time, even before that. You know, with Illtown Records, the mission was always to try to build something up and build a legacy and build a label. So after, you know, me personally and after us, we would have a label to run. And I was looking at, and I tell him this all the time, I was looking at what Mike Bivens was doing with Biv 10. 10 yeah, yeah. So I was looking at Biv 10 and I was just like, wow, that's dope. You know, Biv really got it going on. Like, that's really dope. I like what he's doing. You know, spearheading the label, cheerleading it you know, and basically running a, a label situation, you know, that's really dope. Mm -hmm. So I looked at what he was doing and I was just like, one day I got I to gotta get my stuff together and I want to be like him and do yeah. like that. 
So it didn't happen and work with the ill town situation. But once I got to Devon Mill, my goal was to try to do the exact same thing again to say, okay, now maybe I can do what I was trying to what what, what I was trying to do before, what and following the footsteps of Biv. And at the time too, you are bad boy had already surfaced. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so deaf. You had death, bro, so so deaf, and all those guys already coming at that point. By then, I was yeah. just like, these guys are doing it, so why can't I? Yeah. Did did you were you able to take John A over to um, Divine no, Mill? No, I wasn't able to take them. No, I, I I stayed um you know involved with them, but I wasn't able to switch them over to become a, a technical Divine Mill artist. Okay. Okay. And and yeah. who did you who did you find first? Was it next? Was it um, Jahim or? Um, I actually had Jahim first. Wow, yes, he came Jaheim out last, was, and he came out last. Yes, <laughs> and to this day, he'll tell you he's pissed off about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. he came out at the right time though. But he did, he did, but he, 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 he'll tell you to this day he's pissed off, yo, that, you know, I was the first one in, I came out last. Yeah, but, so, because I think when he came out, this is when, so, Neo Soul and uh, um, Maxwell, you know, D'Angelo, and, and it just fits, we could just appreciate uh, him, and, but what was it about him when, that you saw that you thought, wow, this is gold? Oh no! Nah. When I first heard his demo, his demo came actually to the um to the Naughty Gear store, and that's how long Jaheim was sitting around and waiting. Wow! You know, I I, 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 I was still in Naughty when I had Jaheim's demo. Yeah, his demo came into the Naughty store. We had a store down in, um, and I think the store opened in like '94 or something like that. So wow. Jaheim's demo might have came down there around '95. Wow! So yeah, it, it was sitting in there for a minute. And when it came time for it, I just was like, I remember this guy. Let me let me find that tape of this guy. That, and, and I remember his tape. It said Jaheem, Jaheem Hoagland, um, 18, I mean, um, 17-year-old, 17-year-old Jaheem Hoagland. That's what it said. He put his and, age on it. <laughs> yeah, and, it, and, 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 on the, and on the tape, he was doing karaoke of Luther's Never Too Much. He didn't even have songs. He was just doing karaoke. Wow. Yeah. And so when it came time, I was just like, dang, this guy sounds just like Luther Vandross. Hmm. And a lot of people say, no, he sounds more like Teddy Pendergrass. But he was singing Luther Vandross. And okay. that's, you know, that's always, yeah. So he has a little bit of both of them in him. But he was singing Luther Vandross on his, his cassette tape that I had on his demo. And um, when I finally met him, and saw how thugged out he was. He looked <laughs> yeah. like a rapper. Yeah, he looked like a rapper. Did he have the cornrows like, then? Or... <laughs> um, did he have his cornrows? The cornrows, and did he have his hair braided? Nah, I don't even think. Nah, I'm not sure. Okay. I don't think so. He might have. He might have did though. Then again, I think he did. I think he did. I think he did. <laughs> but I know he was thugged out. I don't care. I mean, he was still thugged out. And I just was like, wow, this guy's thugged out, yo. But as soon as you open his mouth, he sounds like Luther. Yeah. Like, okay, so when you think of Luther, you think of party records. You think of, you know, relationship more mellow, more more chilled out. 
So if I get a thug down, Luther, it'll be a whole different approach. Yeah, so I just yeah. started thinking like that. Wow. So I started thinking like that. So I'm gonna I'm 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 do the same feel and the same style and make you feel like the Luther records, but the appeal and the approach and the visual of, of how you see him and the way he come across gonna be thugged yeah. out. And he's gonna appeal to everybody. Yeah. So I was like, okay. So so I had that in my mind with him from the gate. And I started working on him. And then when I started putting it together, here came next. Oh, so you put him on hold. I put him on hold because next was more developed. Ah. He was, like I said, he looked like a rapper. He was rough around the edges. Everything was raw. You know, he would show up here sometimes and show, sometimes he wouldn't show up. He'd be <laughs> missing sometimes and this, this and that. You know, but he was there primarily. And, um, but next just showed up. And not only did, you know, Next show up prepared, they also had Lance and Prof with them when I got their demo. And Lance, is Pro Lance and Prof is from the group Low Key. Okay. okay. That yeah, that, yeah, that was signed to Jimmy and Terry and them over there. Yeah, Flight yeah, time. yeah, Flight Time, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so they were um, from the group Low Key. So they were already more polished and together. So that pushed them to the top because not only did they have Lance and Prop? Now, once I came in, they had both of us together where Jaheem only had me and my crew really focusing on it. So next had their, their routines together. They had their imaging together. It was a lot wow. of stuff. We just had to fine tune some things, but they came in with their stuff more together. So when I presented, and then on top of that, the 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 icing on the cake to be um, to really be honest, when it came down to next, even Leapfrog and Jaheem was the showcase. When we did the showcase at Arista for, for Clive, next came across more polished to Clive than Jaheem. And Jaheem got turned down by Clive. And that's why next came out before Jaheem. Okay. Because you went to the godfather, Clive Davis. <laughs> yeah. And that's who did the first my deal with me for, for um Divine Mill. Wow. And Jaheem had to wait. And Jaheem ended up being picked up by Warner Brothers. Okay, that's why I knew he was on a different label. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, at the end of the day, more than anything, that's the, the reason why Jaheem actually ended up coming out after Next. Okay. But then you, you come out with Next and, you know, you're, you're in the midst of all the R&B groups, the male groups fighting for attention. But you guys just blow up and, and you know, because it, it, it was not easy because you talk about low-key, solo, lots of ones didn't really make it. I mean, that you we had one or two hits, but to come out like that, was it Clive and Arista pushing it or was it, well, what do you think made Next stand out in that first album? I think it was both. Obviously, you know, Arista's a powerhouse. You know? Yeah, with Clive, yeah. I mean, they had everything with Clive over there. You know, they had, like I said, they had, you know, they had the face records over there at the time. Yeah, so they yeah, had, yeah. Had, they had yeah, Bad Boy, yeah. They, stuff. they had Bad Boy over there. So, Whatever they was taking the radio was working. All yeah. we had to do was come with some good records and it was going to be out of here. So we came with Butter Love first, which was a good record, and it yeah. was out there. And then we came with The Monster Too Close after that, and we uh -huh. were really... Yeah. yeah. So, Who did, did... Did you guys all... Do you look for, to, for artists who could write 
um, and not rely on you to, and you can just stand exactly. come to me. Okay. That was, and, yeah, and that was one of the, um, you know, the main things about Next as well. Like I said, they came with a crew and they were doing stuff already themselves. Not only was Lance and Prof writing for them, but RL was also a writer. So you also had that within, you know, within that. Jaheim wasn't a writer in his, in his early stages. Wow. So he had to wait. Yeah, he had to rely on me and us to find writers and people to put the stuff together where they were ready to go. Same with John A, ready to go because everything was done internally. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense because it's 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 um it's a lot of work to have to get the material to write and, and test it yeah. out. But if they know what, what their direction and stuff, yeah. uh okay. So then from your point of view. They're signed to your label. How do you then, what, are you then responsible really get the music and then leave it to Arista to do all the promotion and, and stuff? Or do yeah. you get involved in, or, or no. how do you, where did you stop? Well, no, like at that at that point, I mean, you know, John A was on Motown. Motown was doing a thing with, with everything. Gerald Busby was over there. Like, I mean, I, I'm not in marketing. I don't work in marketing. So I don't have too much to say about that. It's like, I do my thing. I'm, I make records. So I yeah. make records. I just try to make sure I'm at the, with the right partner. And once I give it to you, I know that, you know, I hand it off to you and you running it for a touchdown. That's it. You know, so that's really was my mentality with everything. And you, maybe that's probably why, as I said, we, we, we could appreciate the, the, the records that you came out with because a lot of others were getting involved with the marketing and the promotion and the imaging, getting doing video, directing videos. And the quality of the music wasn't always consistent. And that's why there was a sense of you could hear a KG track across your artist, but it was really quality. And I guess because, as you said, you weren't doing the video, you weren't directing videos, you weren't going out there yeah. doing styling. And, and yeah. yeah, it wasn't about, you know, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't trying to be in videos. I wasn't trying to, um, I mean, I would be in it here and there just to, you know, present an artist or whatever. But overall, you know, I wasn't trying to be an artist. You know, I had, I had just left a group, you know, my own group. You know, yeah. I was trying to take a back seat. I was trying to take a back seat and trying to be behind the scenes. And I did it on purpose. You know, that's what I was trying to do. Yeah. You know, so, I just was just like, yo, no, it's not about me. It's about you guys. It's about you. Yeah. What surprised you more, the success of um, OPP or the success of Divine Mill coming off the bat with John? Uh, well, I know John A was was not not part of Divine Mill, but you being the music producer, sort of executive. What, which of them, the success of Next and? Uh, and Jahim, did that surprise you more than OPP or was OPP more of a... OPP, definitely. Okay. Hands down OPP more. You know, because it was the beginning. It was, it gave me the confidence. It kicked the door in and let me know, you know what, what you're doing works. Yeah. People out here can going to feel what it is you're doing. And from that point on, I just was like, I, I felt like I understood what it was to make something. And uh, I, I understood how to, you know, how to groove, the grooves that people wanted to hear. Yeah. Uh, and and especially, you know, once I got with John A and once we did the John A project, from there on out, I really was just like, you know what? I know what I can do. I got yeah. a niche. I got, I got a spot that nobody's in. And, no, and, and there's people who's done it before, you know, but I'm gonna, you know, I, I feel like that 
I'm, I'm going to combine my hip hop ear along with my, my um, R&B ear. But at the same time, coming up in Jersey, Jersey was a big club, a club um, playing, like spot. They would play a lot of dance club music. Yeah. Like house, house music and all that. So I was just always just like, I'm going to combine all three of them. And, and basically think of as a DJ and I'm going to blend all of those those elements all together and just do make my my barbecue feel good records. And I'm wow. going to do something that people have people struggle with doing. Yeah. Did, did you think I mean, looking back, because I'm sure a lot of people when this goes out would say, oh, KG, very underrated. We didn't really give him the props um, because I don't think because you weren't very public, you know, um, you know, you had Puffy, we had um, Jermaine Dupree, we had Dallas, you know, we, we had even Tim and Bob, would ha you'd hear their names when they're doing a Bobby V stuff. So a lot of the Timberlands, so a lot of the producers back then would be very much vocal, present, so we know it's theirs. But with your stuff, I mean, only hardcore R&B fans would know this is a KG production, you, you, you know, and know about your label because, you, you as I said, you weren't putting yourself out there. Did you, how was that for you? Did you feel as if maybe I should, you know, get more in the public eye or were you just happy being back and saying, you know, I don't, I don't need to get extra props? Yeah, I was just happy. Cause I mean, like I said, I had just left a group. So my whole thing was, was, was to, to lead the group to step to the back and to honestly, I guess, look at it like to fade away to the, to, into behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. to fade away behind the scenes. So that was my plan of it anyway. So, no. I mean, now that you look at it with the social media and all that stuff going on, you know, I look at it and say, well, maybe, you know, there's more stuff that, that maybe I would, I, I, I should have done, you know, that would, you know, be relevant to social media now or different things. So then a lot of people would probably be looking at me totally different. But it's all good, man. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't regret anything. I mean, it's just it's more, more my character, it's my personality. It reflects that way, and it's all good. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, I have my publishing. People know the right people know who it is. I mean, people know that I've done certain records. Some people know, and some people don't. You know, and you know, one day, you know, whoever wants to know, they'll find out, and then they'll be like, they'll be shocked. So, it's just it's a great thing too to say that. Every as every day go on, I can find new fans to be like, oh wow, I didn't know you did that, Kay. Oh, I didn't know you did that. Yeah. I didn't know you did that. So it's all good. It's all it's all good. And I'm continuing to develop um product and artists as well to this day. So it's it's it, I mean it's, it's to each his own, man. Like yeah. and I, I ain't mad at the guys that you know were in the front in the front, you know, or or did all of that and who stuck their names out in front and all that. I ain't mad at them either. I mean, it's that's great. This is all good, man. To each his own, man. That's what they wanted to do. They approached it totally different, and it, and they benefited off of it. And that's fine, and, and that's fine and good too, as well. I mean, I, that's that's fine. Yeah, a lot of us would 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 wonder. Coffee Brown came out with um, after party, um, and they had the album. Is it male, Mars and Venus? Is it? But it's it's um, they had a, one or two big hits. But as as the, is what changed? What do you think changed that that's they didn't really take off like the other groups? And that pissed me off too as well because I felt like that project, that album was so dope. Yeah, I had the album. The yeah. album is 
very dope. I mean, and hey, I mean, I, I, I feel like that. Everybody I talk to, everybody always say, yo, you know, I don't know what happened, but that Coffee Brown project was so dope. And even with the concept of what it was, you know, because I even started that con that that whole Coffee Brown, you know, thing off as a concept before I even found the members of it. Oh. Yeah, when I originally did the showcase with Clive, it was Jaheen next, and basically the concept of Coffee Brown. <laughs> and he bought, yeah, and he bought into it. And I had to, and once I found the members of, of Coffee Brown, because I had, I basically just had a stand in, one of my writers stand in, and <laughs> yeah, and go in there and say, okay, we're gonna just do Coffee Brown. It's gonna be a guy and a girl. And he was just like, okay, I like the concept. I don't like the members. Let's figure the members out. But I like the concept of, you know, and I felt like that the concept of a male and a female together doing stuff would be dope. So it all came down to me finding the right members. And it, and they didn't click. The two, Fonz and Vanell didn't click with each other. Uh -huh. And the group basically broke up before the project even came out. So Arista couldn't go but so far with it. And that's why they just dropped the ball. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I, I understand, but it just hurts that because I know the product was so dope, you know. Yeah, that's um, because I think we we were warm to it, and and um, don't stop get yeah. It, it was it, yeah. it was just a feel good stuff, but but I guess sooner or later, if if the members aren't on the right page, radio and promotions, everyone would That's find out, happening. and it would just yeah. it the bad yeah. ill will just sort of spill yeah. through. Okay, and that's what happened. You know, it was it was a behind the scenes thing. You know, it just. It just couldn't, we couldn't get it going from the gate. You know, it was just, just wasn't right. You know, wow. I, I thought, I thought it was good too. It was definitely two good members. It's just that the two members didn't click and they couldn't get along and it didn't work. So it just yeah. didn't work. The concept wow. was there. The records was there. I just didn't, you know, and even the talent from the members individually was there, but yeah. it's just them two together. The chemistry just wasn't there. Uh, it is, and, and it didn't, it fell apart before we can even get it going. Wow. Yeah, what what could have happened? And yeah. I think, yeah, I mean, as I said, it, that that's always yeah, it, 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 and it was always a, an album that I really, really, really admired. And it was hard because Angela and Renee, we hadn't, or Ashwin Simpson, yeah. we hadn't had that for yeah. a long time. So to have it yeah. in the nineties, it was, you know, I mean, we had Fuji's, um, and um, and we had um, was. Groove theory, but they they yeah. just had the one album and disappeared. But so it was good to see. Okay, we've, we've got something here, but unfortunately, as you said, it didn't last. With then the Jaheim stuff. So when you came out with his first album, he didn't. He, was he now at a position where he could help write, or was it still mainly relying on yourself and and and? Well, actually, you know what? You know, you spoke of Eric Williams from Black. Yeah, Steve. Eric. Yeah, yeah, Eric. Eric, yeah. Wrote, Eric wrote a lot of it. Yeah. Okay. Eric, Eric, yeah, Eric, Eric and West. Yeah, Eric was a part of my team, so Eric wrote a lot of it, uh, along with you know with Darren Lighty, Darren and Cliff Lighty, Balewa okay. Muhammad, yeah, Balewa. Um, like you said, Eric and West, Jaheem himself as well, me. Um, we all were in there together, just putting it together. We would be there. I was part of my team. Eric, Eric, Eric and West. Eric was one of my guys that was there okay. with me like every day. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, Eric's a Jersey guy. He's a Jersey yeah, yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. As I said, I, yeah, he's um, he when he came to when Blackstreet came to London, we 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 hung out and and you know did an interview with him. So we, yeah, good 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 friend. But 
the, the but Jahim, as I said, even to today, everyone would would rate Jahim. You know his his voice, his his style. Yeah. When he when you were ready to put out his album, um, Clive still wasn't ready to to to, to go sign off the deal. No, nah, he had already passed on it. So once he passed on it with the showcase, um, I just started shopping him elsewhere. And the first place we took him to was Warner Brothers. And Denise Brown signed him over at Warner Brothers. Soon she heard it, she just she fell in love with him. I brought him in there. He sung in there. She was just like, "Oh my god." <laughs> Do not let them leave this building. Sign him up. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then from that point, you know, we 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 had a home, and it was just about finishing up the project. That was it. I can still see his first video. He walks out, um, and he, there's an old track. What's the sample that old track that comes out? Of about, could it be? You're yeah, could, could it be? be? Yeah. And yeah, um, um, it was like I wasn't actually in that video. It was like a, um, he worked at like a garage. Yeah, yeah, garage. He, but he worked was... at a car garage. He worked at a car garage, and um, he was um, he was uh, supposed to take the car to get fixed or whatever. Yeah. And end up joyriding with the car instead, and people thought that it was his car. And then he <laughs> comes back and bring the car back, and he was actually just out. And I'm and, I, and I'm standing there like, "Yo, what are you doing? What are we yeah, doing?" Okay. <laughs> Because yeah. he comes out and we think, okay, here he is. With, he's going to come and rap to us like BMX. And he yeah. starts to sing. And as I said, it's... Um, I said for guys too, because, you know, we had Joe, but a lot of the guys were singing to the ladies. And so the ladies, you know, you know, apart from R. Kelly, lots of the guys were singing to the ladies. But Jahim was like, wow, this is, you know, he, you know, this, this thugged out guy singing this smooth and stuff and so you, you right and then you see him riding around in this bentley and you think yeah. oh he's flossing he's flossing and then come to find out oh he just works there he ain't yeah his <laughs> like that's the ultimate thug too yeah like, he just but, took somebody's car and just flossing with it <laughs> yeah it's uh, i mean it's a good yeah. video concept but uh, but the video can take you only so far if the music wasn't I mean did you guys oh, yeah, was, was yeah. it a hard work on that album to get the right nah. music? Yeah, I mean no, no, because actually at that time we were we worked every day. We were in such a groove, man. Like like I said, we had Eric we had great people in there, writers, man. We had Eric in there, like I said, Cliff Balewa, Aritza um was in there. Arel Arel okay. was there. Yeah, find some coffee brown. Man, we had so many people. Teron, Bill was there. Like, Gordon Chambers was there. Like, I had so many people in there writing, man. It was just, I would just be like, hey, here's the beats. Like, let's just see who got the best stuff and wow. let's just go. And wow. some people didn't like that way, but I did. it was just competition and everybody, we were just all in there just to get stuff done. So when it came time to make records, it was nothing. I was just like, yo, if, I, I, if we come with a dope beat, I know the, the guy's gonna, gonna gonna ice it off. So we just we just did it. It was just all about just just who we would give the records to at that point. That was it. You know, just even like uh, if you think of um Justin Case. Justin Case was a coffee brown record. Are you kidding yeah, me? That was a coffee, yeah, that was a coffee brown record. And it was a and it was a ballad. Wow. Yeah, that was a coffee brown ballad. Yeah. That's probably his, was, it was, was that his biggest track because that's his, probably the most popular yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yep, definitely, probably his biggest one. Yeah, but it was a ballad. It was a ballad, and um, when we originally did it, it was a coffee brown ballad. Um, ballad, 
And I forgot what why we ended up. I think it ended up that 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 I think Clive didn't like it on Coffee Brown as a ballot. So then I um I ended up switching it around and not going Coffee Brown's record. I made it up tempo to what it was and presented it again to Clive for Babyface though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I tried to sell it to the Babyface and they were just like, ah, nah. So then I just was like, you know what, Jaheim, let's just cut this record, man. I know this record's dope. So what I did was, like I said, it was a ballad. Cause that's all just in case is, is a ballad. It's double time. It's a ballad singing over a fast beat. That's really, it's a 50, it's a 50 BPM song that I double time to a hundred. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So all of the, you know, you think about the tempo of these records, there's there's club records. They like, especially like in the in the 90s, this stuff was the groove stuff was around 100, 102. So if you take a ballad at 50 or 51 and double it up, you got you got 102, and then you just take and change the groove around. And that's what I did with it. Like I said, like going back to my DJ and club yeah. stuff, yeah. I did. That's how it was. But it was the same song. Just done in a different, a different manner. And you can hear some elements of um, too close, and um, some elements of, of you know, some influences from like what you did for next. That type of um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's you know it's, it's coming from it's coming from the same crew. Yeah, coming yeah. From the same crew. So yeah, you're gonna absolutely hear you know pieces or influences of stuff and be like, okay, this sounds familiar. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Same guy did all those records. Yeah. It was a, was RL singing back on on that? Uh, the original demo. He's singing a whole demo, you know. But nah, not the one that came out. Oh, just okay. Without yeah, he's singing. He's singing. He, well, actually, the whole group next is singing backgrounds on anything. Okay. Because that was original next record as well too. Anything <laughs> was a well, yeah, that was a next record. And when I switched it over and gave it to Jaheim, because at that time, once Jaheim got his deal, it was all about okay, guys, let's all focus on Jaheim. Let's get Jaheim stuff done now. It's time for him to go. Because at that point, you know, Jaheim was complaining. He's like, I've been here first. Where's one of my coming out? And, uh, uh, and then, like, okay, now we got your deal. Let's go. So we yeah. started focusing on him. So we started taking records that we might have had for, for, for other people and other groups. In other situations, and just started flipping them into Jaheim records. Yeah, as I said, he he still stands the test of time, and it was great to see him recently feature with um, um, AZ. The AZ. Um, yeah, the AZ record, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, a lot I'm, of us I'm missed Jaheim him. Even now, I'm telling him now, man. Like I have records that I've cut on Jaheim, like really good records that I know that will come out now and be dope. But you know, it's just on Jaheen, man. Like, just well, I'm just waiting on him to, to to say I'm ready to go and do this again, man. I'm just waiting on him, really. Yeah, because we 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 heard him say he's quit the industry. This was about a couple of years ago. Um, yeah. Then I heard he said he changed his mind. But what, what's as 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 is is he still? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Same thing. I don't know. I don't know what Jaheim's doing. I don't know what he's doing. I'm, I'm just, I'm baffled by it too, to be honest. Like, like I said, I got records on him and stuff that I know is dope, but I'm just waiting for Jaheim to be ready to, to do what he got to do. And that's it. You know, I just, I don't know. 
at this stage, is he still signed to Divine Mail or and Warner Bros? No, he, or is he yeah, independent? He's, not, he's been off of he's been off of off of Divine Mail and he's been off of Warner Brothers for years now. Okay. Yeah, he was on when he had moved over to Atlantic. Even when I did um, ain't leaving without you. The record mm -hmm. ain't leaving without you. Record with him. The hey, how you doing, baby? Yeah. When I did that record for him, he wasn't signed to me. Wow. I had yeah, I had I allowed him to move over to um Atlantic at that time. Wow. Yeah. What What about next? Did, did when did you? Are they still with the Vimeo? Did they say you, you? Everybody. Yeah, everybody's still associated with me, but none of them assigned me. You know, next move away from me when Arista broke up with Clive, and then next moved. Yeah, when Arista broke up and all of that stuff. Um, RL did his solo project okay. and, and yeah, he did a solo project and in the midst of that, when LA took over Arista and all that stuff, that's when, um, next, um, we, we dissolved all of that stuff, wow. but they, they, you know, they're still my people. Like I got, yeah. a, I got a project for next right now and that's done. Wow. And, yeah, and I, got I, think... a, I have a Naughty Next project, a project with Naughty and Next together. See, and I think that's probably why when we went back to what you learned from Flavor Unit, that sense of, because other people would very much be like, no, well, I'm going to tie you down to a seven album deal. And nah, I'm not in that business, man. I'm not in that business, for real, to be yeah. honest. Because I feel like, like you said, it goes back to Flavor Unit. Nobody did that to me. Nobody yeah. tied me down. I ain't in the business of tying nobody else down. I only could do, you know, what, what people, what others did to me, you know. So nobody did that to me. So I ain't doing that to nobody. Like if if it don't work, well let's figure what let's just let's just move on. Cause I don't I don't even want you wasting my time and I don't want to waste your time yeah. if we don't if we can't work together. Yeah. I I did see that you guys were back on tour with Naughty. When did you when did you come back to the guys? Cause I I've saw I, I, I yeah, think I came he came back actually, with Naughty. Yeah, I've been back with Naughty. I came back with Naughty, I don't know, maybe 2010. Okay. Or maybe even before that. Maybe before that, I forgot. But I think it was something like that. I, yeah, but I've been back with Naughty for a while. Yeah, no, but I, I think this is recent. I think you, you did an NFL. Um, yeah, we did half the um, halftime. We did the halftime of the Arizona-Minnesota Vikings game. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just to, yeah, so I just saw it recently. But what what's happened? Because I, I know, you know, you guys were all doing different things. But have you come back? to stop making music and going touring again or not yet not yet we're, we're we're talking about it and we're trying to figure it out now you know but you know we do stuff here and there together still you know some engagements and some big stuff that we'll, we we still do and um stuff that we had that we have to do or whatever but as far as music and all that stuff you know, we're trying to figure it out and we're trying to, we're talking about potentially maybe diving back in fully, but at this point, it's not, at, it's not at that, that point. It's not at that point. I mean, which is, which, which, which we should have done, but you know, it's whatever it is at this point, man, to be honest. I mean, it's 30 and, 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 and this was a great opportunity for it because we actually had started. And it's another thing too. We, I have records done on that as well. We did start on some stuff, and every time we start on it, we get halted somehow or whatever. But we got to work some kinks out because it. Um, we came out of 91. It's 2021 now. This is our ah. 30th anniversary. 
Yeah, it's our 30th anniversary. This year is our 30th anniversary. And that's what we were actually working on, our 30th anniversary album. And they got halted, you know, for, you know, group personal issues and, and, and stuff or whatever. But like I said, we'll, you know, we're grown, man. We'll figure it out. We'll work it out. Hopefully, <laughs> yeah. yeah, hopefully we'll we'll get it we'll get, we'll get it worked out and 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 the material will see a light of day. So, what about next? You said you're working on a joint project with Naughty and Next, or is it something separate with Next? No, both. I have a project with Next, and I have a Naughty Next project. That's what I'm saying. Like I have stuff we've been working on. You know, we just got to, if, if we can work everything out and figure it out and everybody get on the same page, then we'll put it out. If not, then I'll figure out different ways. Like I said, I mean, there were songs that were certain people's before and I took them and moved them to somebody else. So you yeah. might hear those records on somebody else, but I do have bangers in the cut that is done. I, I guess finally, because you, you've really, you, it's been great listening to you and stuff. When it comes to the way the industry is now um, streaming and, you know, we can listen to music almost freely anyhow. When you put out records now, what is, is it the purpose to make money or is it just to get music out there? What is, from your point of view, if you start putting out music with Naughty or Next or anyone, what would be the main purpose? You said if I put out music now, what would be the main purpose? Yeah, so suppose, yeah, would it just be more of like a way of promoting the fact that you guys are around, we're going on tour, or are you looking to get a, a billion streams to make money from it? What would be doing, because nah, it's different it now, would, yeah. Like you said, it would be more, it would be more about touring, man. It'll be putting out a project so we can tour and do stuff together. That's what it'll be more about. It ain't about trying to get a billion streams and do all of that craziness. You know, because I know that, you know, that's not, you know, realistic, to be honest. That's not realistic. That's not what I'm trying to do. It's about us building up, you know, put out dope music, yeah. continue, continue our legacy and represent our legacy, but at the same time to go out there and, um, you know, do a Naughty Next tour. That's what I want to do, oh, to be that honest. Would be, yeah, that would be awesome. That would yeah. be and one, one big show, one big show, not not nobody opening up, us all intertwined, back and forth, put hit, 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 Naughty and Next together. So what would you, so as we finish, what can we expect? Because um, we, we saw you do stuff with AZ and, and Jahim. Um, any other productions that you know is coming so that people can you know, keep an eye out and listen to? Well, me and Vin, me and Vin has formed a group along with a DJ. We got a DJ um, production slash hype crew called Ill Town Sluggers. Okay. Yeah. So we um we um rock parties and do all of that stuff and produce records. So we got a project that's coming out. We got multiple projects with multiple people. I have another one with a Latin DJ and Cruz. We got a um, Ill Town Slugger and Cruz project that's gonna be Latin um led and influenced. So I got that project coming. We got an Ill Town Sluggers project itself coming. We um, what else we got? Um, and and then also developing Slugger artists as well. We got a girl named Nicole Michelle, a little young pop artist. We're developing a young um R&B artist named Indigo Blue. Developing her, Ryan Lane, another R&B guy. Developing him. Wow. We got. Um, KO, yeah, Loud Jackson, developing him as well. And then I have an Afrobeats artist guy named Fresco Death. So 
there's multiple things and multiple artists that we're doing and we're putting together. So be on the lookout. It's like really good music and really good stuff. And and it's it's another chapter. Once again, you know, like how I did with Devon Mill. It's the same thing, just, you know, building another avenue, building another way to allow these young, fresh talent to come through and flourish um, with me at the helm and trying to steer them in the right direction in the right way. So be on the lookout. Well, that's well, I have to appreciate the time you've spent. Um, so you're back to Ill Town Records and no longer Divine Mill or is other? No, it's Slugger Music. Slugger Music. Group, yeah, but the group of DJs and um, producers, the, that group is called Ill Town Sluggers. But do you have, uh, as you and Vinny have a label that you're running together? Yeah, yeah, and it's called Slugger Music. Slugger music, okay. Slugger music, yup. And Slugger is a bear that's in an ill town Slugger. I saw the bear, I thought it was a mascot or so. I wasn't yeah, sure. Yeah. No, he's not a mascot. He's actually a DJ and a producer. That's one of my producers. Oh, I, I saw the bear. His name is Slugger, yup. And, and he's part of ill town Sluggers. Okay, okay. Yep. When I, all my guests, I always ask them if you were stuck in an elevator and you, you, they said, look, it'll take a, a, a couple of hours to get you out and this will play a movie for you to watch. What movie would you request to watch? Wild Style. Wild Style. Oh, it's, okay. Back, going back to the old days. Okay. Yep. They, Wild it, Style. And if it, if it's long, if we're still long, now play me Beach Street. Oh, Beat Street, okay. Beat Street, okay. Yeah. And then finally, they're about to put on the movie. They said, look, we'll, we'll play a song before the movie starts. What record would you request to listen to? Um, maybe Lovely Day. Lovely Day, okay. Who's, um, by, by who, who, who did that? Oh, okay, Bill Withers, lovely day. Okay, wow. Okay. If not that, then I'll never too much love But I would probably say lovely day. Okay. Well, KG, I have to appreciate the time you've, you've given, you've walked us through um, amazing history. I have to appreciate the music that you came out with. Um, you know, next, Jahim, Coffee, um, Coffee Brown, even though that didn't go through. Jane, you know, that's, it, you, you really contributed to the 90s. And I think what DJ Cassidy's past the mic really reinvigorated a lot of us to 90s music and we kind of miss that type of soul. And when I listened to AZ with Jahim, I was like, wow, this is, we're almost getting that sense of classic. But as, oh, as trust me, it's coming because I got it. I got, I got some stuff. Not only on Jaheim, but on the... I have some stuff in the cut, so that sound is coming back. It's wow. coming. I'm going to make it come back. As soon as, it, as soon as you have anything to promote, um, just give us... Uh, I'll, as I said, I'll, I'll be following and watching and getting the word out there. But this will go out next week. And, um, you know, I have to appreciate you for, for all what you've done. Similar to um, Eddie F, you guys are very quiet... Well, you, that's my you, you, man too. Yeah. That's my man too. Eddie, that's my man. We did a lot of work on my own with Devon Mill time and all of that. You know, we, we did a lot of work together. I used the studio a lot of different things. That's my man. That's my man, man. Eddie, that's my boy, for real.
Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Much love to Eddie, I feel. He's yeah, nah, I, Yeah, he is. Yeah, and, and that's the thing about the two of you. You're very, you know, quiet in personality, but loud in music. I mean, the music you guys came out with really hit, um, but I want to make sure a lot of people remember Coffee Brown, all the stuff you did. You know, Jahim's probably, as I said, we do polls and Jahim and Maxwell are constantly battling as to who people think was yeah. their, their main guy, just because... They, they 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 were different from Joe and, 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 and all the others at that time and they just you know knew a soul and, and stuff and so we just appreciate the music and the consistency and, and stuff and um, we look forward to hopefully Naughty coming out with with the music when everything works out next Jahim and and and, and of course Sluggers as well. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And appreciate it, though. Thank you. Thank you guys over there, especially England, man. Like, because I remember even when we came out with Jaheem, that Jaheem broke in England before he oh. broke here. Wow. Yep. He was huge and he broke over in England first. I don't know if you know a guy named Jiggs over there. Yes, yes, yes. You know, I don't know personally, but but I was one of the main radio DJs and stuff. Yes. Shout to Jiggs, yep. Yep. Jiggs is a good friend of mine, yep. And always been since, you know, back back in the days, man. So, yeah, Jaheim broke in London, you know, in, in England, period, just, you know, from before he even broke here. And, and so definitely shout to you guys over there. You always showed me love, showed Jaheim love, and always appreciate everything I've done. I appreciate you guys. Shout out, definitely. Yeah, but I thank you for the time. You've really given us a massive, massive history lesson and stuff. But I'll be in touch. I'll let you know when it goes out and stuff. Thanks for watching. Please remember to subscribe to the channel, but most importantly to press the notification bell so that you can be notified when we do have a new interview. Loads to come, but thanks a lot for watching.